Hi, I'm Jeff Albert, Director of the School of Music Industry at Loyola University in New Orleans, and you're listening to our forum series, a weekly meeting between our students, music executives, recording artists, faculty, and alumni, where we spotlight industry professionals and discuss important issues shaping the business. This week, our guest is Joe Fisher, an expert in the worlds of publishing and artist development. He was interviewed by our songwriting instructor, Jim McCormick. Our interview will be done uh, by our songwriting faculty member, Jim McCormick, um, who many of you may know. Um, Jim's written lots of great songs. Um, He's written so many good songs that he drives a much nicer car than I do. Um, so that's a good sign. Uh, but Jim's brought us a guest from Nashville. Uh, Joe Fisher spent about 10 years as a VP of a for Universal Records. He's currently got two businesses, an artist development business uh, that he's running with Justin Timberlake and a publishing business with Keith Urban. So he's not like really messing around with the small time stuff. Uh, please welcome Joe Fisher and Jim McCormick. Thank you, Jeff. You want the big couch? Oh, no. You deserve it. Hey, guys. Y'all welcome my friend Joe Fisher, please. Um, we're here quite organically. Can I tell a story of how we kind of yeah. decided to yeah. come on down? Joe and I have known each other about 15 or 20 years. And uh, he has a daughter who's a freshman at a nearby university. and. Um, he was looking over the program here, and in doing so, came across my name on the faculty, called me, said, we have breakfast the next day or so, and uh, that was a mere few weeks ago, and Jeff made it happen. Jeff and Kate made it happen, so here we are. Thanks for coming down. Absolutely. Today. Um, can we kick off just with a little bit of your journey, your story, and sure. kind of where you've been, how yeah, you got sure. here? So when I was a kid, I loved singer-songwriters, right? So I bought a bunch of records, and I was just obsessed with songwriters, like you. And I would buy the albums, look at the back, and I wanted to know who all wrote the songs. I discovered, I'm trying to make this very long story short, but I discovered a school called Belmont in Nashville. And this was way before y'all were born. And I uh, ended up going there and just found my way through, found internships. I, you know, I put, on, I put uh, my, my record player together and put out, pulled out small records, and I called RCA Records, and the next thing I know, I said, hey, does anybody there need an intern? And they're like, anybody back there need an intern? And then I got an intern, an internship there, and then I kind of weaved my way through uh, publishing, record label, and then I got a job in uh, what back then was called a tape room, where I was physically recording tapes from reel to reels to tapes to take to artists in Nashville. And doing all that, I kind of discovered that uh, their songwriters figured out that I was a good friend to them because I was getting their songs recorded by by big artists in Nashville at the time. And uh, and that just became my passion and I found my way through and, and, uh, but but the school gave me the opportunity to open the doors, but it took it was me that had to go find the internships and and then sell myself and then be able to get to the get the jobs and and uh, grow that way. That's how I did it. First, the first jobs were uh, music publishing. That's correct. Yeah. How? What was the transition from music publishing to a record company, Universal? Well, 
before I went to Universal, I uh, started my own publishing company. It was actually tied to Universal. I did it with a record producer. By the way, I want to tell you, I don't write, I don't play, I don't sing. I'm just a, I just am on the business side creatively, but on the business side. And uh, so I, I convinced this record producer at MCA Records to do a publishing company with me. And we started developing some writers. And then the uh, DreamWorks and uh, MCA kind of merged and became Universal Records. And the head there ended up calling me saying, hey, you know, you have a lot of relationships. You're developing a lot of writers that at that time were turning into recording artists. And uh, he said, I would love for you to come over. And I said, well, I, you know, I've, got, I've started this publishing company. You know, I, I mean, this is my passion. I don't really want to go work at a record label. And he said, you can keep your publishing company. I'll make it worth your while. And that's what I did. Yeah. Great. So you, you make your way through A&R, record label world. I'm going to try and fast track us up to right. where we are here. Okay. You, you're there for 10 years at Universal Records. And then um, tell me about the transition from that to what is a more entrepreneurial sort of place sure. now. So Keith Urban and I had been friends before he got a record deal. I, I was like one of the first per, per people he met when he moved from Australia. And I went down to this little bar to see him play. And I went back to the people I was working for. And, and I just said, look, this... I don't know if this guy's country. I don't know what he is, but he's a star. You know, he's like got it. And they ended up signing him. And so he and I just forged this friendship from in the early 90s. And when I was at the label, he and I decided to sign some writers together. And I signed this guy, this kid named Jimmy Robbins, who was this 23-year-old kid from North Carolina building tracks, uh, Everybody in Nashville passed on him because it was a, he was a little progressive, and the track thing wasn't really the thing at the time. Um, it is now, but it wasn't at the time. And then he came out of the gate and had, I don't know, we had some like five number ones in, the, in a matter of a year. And then he, by the way, wrote, he has a current number one this week with a song called The Bones by Marin Morris, so which is cool. Nice. So but to answer your question, so it, along that while I was doing that, I was traveling with some of these country guys, and um, I, I, a friend of a friend introduced me to Timberlake, and he said, man, I, I really want to do something in Nashville. I want to start an artist development company, but I don't really have anybody to do it with. I love what's going on in Nashville. How, can we make that happen? I'm like, hell yeah, you're Timberlake. You know, I'm in. Let's go. So we, uh, we, I, I had this writer that was doing really well. I had a few writers that were doing really well, and then I just got to the point where doing the A&R thing at the label was, while it was awesome gig, I mean, a blast, do it if you can, but also I always had a little side action just so I could get out, you know, and, and do my own thing. So started the uh, publishing company and then the artist development company. The side hustle. Side hustle. Became more interesting. Um, okay, so like from what I hear, we have a record company, an artist development kind of effort between you and Justin Timberlake. A music publishing company between you and Keith, and a um, and you as an entrepreneur, as a business person. And so, what I'd like to do is kind of break it into three sections. The questions, you know, what advice would you offer those here, the young artists here, who might want to get the attention of a record label mm -hmm. or a development uh, sure. producer or management? Like, what, from your perspective, can you say to these students who are still in a program as they prepare to enter the real world and come out? I'll start with the artist side, right? Have you, have you all heard of that? Heard that song, Roxanne? 
that's out now by Arizona Zervas. All right, so I, I accidentally published that song. I, I, <laughs> I signed this girl who was actually uh, interning for me, and she was trying to be a song. She, she, was, she didn't know she wanted to be a songwriter, but she was writing these hooks, and I thought, well, man, that's, I, I think they're pretty good. You know, I'm a country guy, but I, I think I've got connections in L.A. So I connected her. I did a co-publishing venture with a company called Prescription in L.A., and she went out there, and uh, literally in October, she called me and said, hey, have you heard the song Roxanne? And I said, by the police? And she goes, no, it's a new one. And, and uh, she said, it's blowing up on TikTok. I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Like, and so, I mean, lo and behold, like, I think it's at like 500 million streams right now, and it's like top five on, on top 40 and blowing up on urban charts. But it's funny how artists now, they can, and, and by the way, Arizona did not have a record deal until about a week ago. You know, every label in the world was offering them a lot of money to, to sign up because they knew that song was blowing up. It was an, it was a, global viral hit and so my point is that you know labels are paying attention and if you're an artist i would employ continue to put music out find way and it was cool to watch all these artists get up and say they're playing you got music coming out i think that's fantastic i mean put music out uh and try to find playlisters if you can i mean i know with the dsps and spotify apple Amazon, they're, they're really hard to find. I mean, they try to be invisible, honestly, and you, that's where record labels and guys, like you know, we're able to track these people down so we can get songs pushed on big playlists because then labels are paying attention to the analytics, right? So they're looking at the data. You can see uh, how many songs are being skipped or how many times it's being skipped, how many times it's being saved. I mean, it's real live stuff and they know exactly where what regions it's it's being played in mo you know they, they've got all the labels every one of the labels has some researcher looking at data that's all they do and so they i had a uh, i had a head of a record label up in new york who's got massive pop hits tell me we don't i don't listen with my ears anymore i listen with my eyes and they want to see the numbers so i would encourage you to continue to put push music out, uh, be honest with yourself, make sure it's good, you know, and, and make sure that more people than just your friends and family like it. Uh, and then, I mean, look, the, the, the Chainsmokers had a bunch of songs that, that didn't work, and they actually got dropped from their first label. And then they put out that massive hit, and they got picked up and put out that big hit, and, you know, the rest is history. But, I mean, there's going to be bumps in the road, but... I just think if you know who you are and you can figure out your lane musically, you just got to go for it. You know, you just got to keep pushing music out and then try to find, um, try, you know, try to find this playlist if you can. That's the data and analytics. Is the live component still? Oh, yeah. By the live? way, yeah. And, and live is great. I mean, go build an audience. You know, go, nothing better than having a built-in fan base. You know, when I go to Bonnaroo, I don't know any of these, I mean, I know half of the bands, you know, but these other guys are out there, well, they got massive followings and they're having incredible careers. So you don't always have to rely on radio. You know, if you're a, if you're a touring artist, I mean, you're doing great. You don't necessarily need a record deal. I mean, if somebody's gonna sign you and give you a, a huge advance and promote your music, then, you know, not many people other than Chance the Rapper say no to that, you know? So. Um, 
I'm going to go through. Let's, let's look at music publishing for those who want to be songwriters or uh, pure songwriters. As a music publisher, um, I think the answer is pretty simple. But can you speak to those who want to be writers? Sure. Uh, writing is interesting. You know, it, a lot of writers in here. Raise your hand. Wow, I love it. Um, Writing is one of those things where it's hard to get a publishing deal if you're not in Nashville, in LA, in New York, in London, wherever, one of the major hubs, unless you're writing with an artist or are the artist that are, that's blowing up. Now, a lot of times, like you, Jim, uh, writing with the artist is, that's a great life. You know, that's a great lifestyle to be a songwriter. Some of my, you know, the, my closest friends are writers, and they're doing incredibly well. Um, but there's BMI, there's ASCAP, there's CSAC. Those are called performing rights organizations. I don't know if y'all learn about that here, but be, you know, familiar with those. Uh, affiliate yourself with those. Uh, one of those, you know, as a writer, you can only be with one. But uh, and then if you want to be in Nashville, if you want to be in LA, or want to be in New York, uh, you depending on your, your musical style, uh, you need to find somebody, a champion at BMI, ASCAP, or CSAC because they can help you maybe navigate that, navigate the waters of trying to find a publishing deal if that's what you want to do, you know? And, and, and at the end of the day, a publishing deal is great because, you know, you get a little bit of money, somebody pays for your demos, and you can get songs pitched to artists, and you can get plugged into different producers and... Uh, next thing you know, you might have some, like this girl has this Roxanne song. And uh, so I don't, I don't know if that fully answered the question, but I'm sure we'll have, have some. We will. Uh, and then the third category, there are some here who don't want to be writers, don't want to be artists. They're interested in working in management, publishing, record companies. What can you say to them from where they are looking ahead? How can they set themselves up for entry into that business? Yeah, that that one is a no-brainer. Where you have, in, unless you are wicked forward-thinking, like you got an art, like the kid that manages Arizona Service, you know, uh, which I know, and he's a good kid. He's up in, he lives in L.A., but that dude sleeps all day, parties all night, and then they stumbled into Arizona and they put this record out, and it's just massive, and that's cool. It, it, it takes all kinds, but. But otherwise, you need to be in uh, in Nashville, in L.A., in, in New York, and intern. You know, find those people that you can you can collaborate with, that you can show that, hey, I'm here. I'm going to show up every day. That's what I did. I showed up every day. I listened. I rarely talked. I would occasionally bring, like, hey, I, I, I saw this songwriter at a writer round that I think they're really good, or an artist that's somewhere else that I think is really good. You should check them out. And just have to be in the circle and be, be a cool hang, you know? And, but you do have to intern, honestly, because there's just so, it's so hard to break through and just get a job, get hired right out of college, unless you are, like I said, unless you've got uh, an artist you're already attached to that you're managing, um, and, unless you just have a different skill set that, that a lot of us don't already have. It took me a long time. I mean, obviously, I got there and, and just kind of found my way and weaved it through, but... Uh, I wasn't going anywhere. I didn't have a plan B. I didn't, like you all, you artists, man, I would say don't have a plan B either. You know, if, if you really believe that's what you're going to do, then freaking do it. They're looking for interns from outside of Nashville, in Nashville? 
Yeah, I mean, I think they are. I mean, you're competing with, uh, obviously, Belmont. You're competing with MTSU. You're competing with, uh, I mean, because you're not there during the year, so you have to go try to find either a summer internship or a, a semester away, I guess. But I, I think they're out there. Mm -hmm. I think they're there, for sure. And how about the non-country genre in Nashville? I'm only I'm focusing on Nashville because of its proximity. Sure. Um, but uh, is there a growing scene outside of country? There's a growing, not a, on the business side, but there is a growing scene on the on the artist side. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, Kings of Leon live there, but you know, there's a, a definitely doesn't have to be country centric. You know, you can you can like look. I'm developing. I got a kid that I signed. He was working at he was working at Nordstrom and. We didn't talk music, I bought a shirt, and uh, I know you guys probably don't shop at Nordstrom, but my wife made me go there, so I bought a shirt, and when uh, and this kid was, uh, we didn't talk music, and I saw him three days later at a, in a, at a writer round, and I started talking to him, I said, what are you doing, man? And he said, I, um, I'm, a, I'm from Chicago, I'm a singer-songwriter, I, lo I love Chris Brown, I don't do country, but it, it was just easier to get to Nashville from Chicago. And, I said, well, play me some music. And so he played me some songs, and I ended up signing him to a, a publishing deal. And he just got signed to Warner Brothers Records, and his name's Connor Matthews, and he just put out a song that's on New Music Friday, which is a massive playlist on Spotify, which is really hard to get. But, you know, he's on there, and Warner Brothers is, is trying to blow him up now. So I, it, and that all happened out in Nashville. Should we do some questions? then you go to writer rounds. Go to a lot of writer rounds. And I didn't say this earlier, I think it's really important to learn to co-write. Uh, if you look at records now, nobody, very few people write their own songs by themselves. It's unfortunate, it used to be like that, but now it's you, uh, collaborators with producers and there's producers that, are, that aren't really writers but they get writer credit, uh, they get publishing credit, which is important. Um, but the more you can write with other people, the better, and then try to find your peers that you're growing to, I mean, I think the, the sooner you move there, the better, and then go out and meet, meet like-minded people, and then go affiliate with ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC, and put a little catalog together, put a little you know, a reel together, and, and they don't have to be demoed. You know, don't, don't spend, I, I try to tell people, don't spend a lot of money to demo songs because they're usually not very good unless you're doing it with a, a producer who's a really good creative uh, track person or whatever and you can get in there and, and, and define your sound. But just, I think once you're there, you'll be, you'll be surprised. It's a pretty small community and it's not really hard to navigate your way once, you've, once you kind of be there for a little bit or there for a little bit. What were the first steps in pursuing the artist development company? Yeah, that's a good question. I, for, for me, I was at the record label and I had been there for a long enough time and I, when I was signing artists, it was so dependent on if they got, if, if their music was released, it was so dependent on does the president of the record label like it? Does the promotion team like it? Does the intern like it? You know, and it just kind of got old to me you know, that it was like signing these kids that had this really raw talent, but we weren't, it was taking two years to release music. So when I had the opportunity to leave the label, I thought, okay, I'm gonna have, I wanna figure out how to be 
artist friendly, whatever that means. But that, that means that to me, it means I want to help artists figure out who they are and then push music out quicker than, you know, because with the advent of, of streaming, I mean, my, like I said, we, we might as well keep pushing music out. And so it wasn't a hard choice. I mean, obviously it was a, it was a gamble because I, what I didn't say is I, fortunately I, en I ended up turning the artist development company into a, a joint, what's called a joint venture with Sony Records. So it's easy now because I've, easier because I'm able to sign writers or artists and push music up and get it going. And then if it really raises its hand and says, I'm a, I think I'm a hit, then the promotion team looks from Sony Records will look at it and go, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna push you out and we're gonna take you to terrestrial radio and, and try to make it a hit. But to, to leave for me, it was, it was pretty easy because I've done it for so long and I feel like there's so much talent. There's so many really good artists out here that we can just, we can, we can, do, we can do it. Um, I was wondering, you mentioned that the three major cities were New York, LA, and Nashville. Depending on the genre, which genres for which city exactly were you meaning? Country for Nashville, for sure. And, you know, a lot of pop music is breaking out of there. And then LA for almost everything else. Uh, New York is, is a lot smaller even than Nashville right now. Uh, I think there's pop music coming out of there, and there's a lot of major labels, but there, a lot of them are moving to LA. So, really more, you know, pop, urban, R&B. Well, even urban's in out of New York, but a lot of the, most everything else out of LA. What do you do to develop artists and songwriters? So when I sign a writer, I. They're usually pretty green. I don't think I've ever signed anybody that's had a, a publishing deal before. And that's kind of like, just was my thing. It's like, okay, I'm gonna try to find, you know, I told Jim about this, or I told somebody else about this kid that I met from Kentucky who uh, was gonna be a, a dairy farmer, you know? And he said, I'm gonna play a couple songs, and he, and he did, and I said, wow, you know, if you can write songs, back to what I've told you, if you can write songs by yourself, you're, in that I like them, then I think, okay, we're on the right track. I can now you collaborate with some other people. So what I do as a publisher, I connect them with other songwriters, other artists, uh, producers, and then I pay for demos. Um, I just, I, I try to give them the tools to, depending on what they are trying to do, whether it's an artist or a, a writer, I try to give them the tools to, and put them in a really good position. Which is what you know most of us publishers and uh, A and R guys do. You know we don't have any reason not to. They vary. I mean the 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 publishing deals can vary. You know I don't that that's a that's a rabbit hole we might not want to go down. But it depends on how much how you know if there's how much leverage do you have? How many offers do you have? Is there multiple or multiple publishers coming after you? How bad do you want to be with this guy? Is it a co-pub deal and? That's a whole different class, probably. But they can, I mean, if you, unless you, unless you're Arizona Zervis, it's not going to be a huge number, but it's going to be an opportunity. Thank you. Is it for an artist in the kind of early stages? Is it better to release as many first drafts and demos out there on music streaming platforms uh, just to have your content out there and develop a ground basis of fans, or? Is it better to spend a lot of time and you know empty out the wallet a little bit to have the uh, the best quality 
of those songs first? Like what makes a, I don't know if there's a difference of impression there. I know what you mean. Uh, quality uh, is not the, don't worry about quality. Um, but when you say first draft, make sure it's good and make, I mean, make sure it's good music. I mean, I, I know you got to kind of go out there and get the hiccups out and get out of the way, but it, I don't think you need to have like uh, a list producer quality, you know, to, to put out. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking, I'm as a publisher, as an as a, as a publisher, I'm looking at, okay, is the song, are the songs there? Does this guy write songs? Well, as, the label side of me says, is he unique? Is his, is he saying something different? What's he, is his, is his voice, uh, I mean, it's not a talent contest in my, you know, in Nashville, it's more about a, a personality it thing and you have something to offer, right? So I, I wouldn't worry about quality first, unless you're, you know, I, I think unless you're doing the EDM thing, I think that's what is the difference. Hi. Oh, sorry, I got the mic no, you over got here. One. Oh, I you're got okay, good, sorry, yeah. we'll come back. All right, um, my question was, where do you look exactly to find these new artists as an A&R? Good question, too. I get a lot of people from, uh, a lot of attorneys, a lot of managers, uh, a lot of, like I said, the, the, the performing rights organizations, the BMIs, the ASCAPs, they call and say, hey, you should check this person out. Um, and, and and then, you know, I just have, I have people that work for me that can scour and look and we kind of, you know, see how the, how, how people are, you know, but they come to me all different ways. And uh, I like to, you know, I like, in Nashville is a little bit different because when they, they can come into my office, they'll play, you know, with a guitar and they'll sing a song and we'll hang out, and it's, which is cool, you know. Okay. Hello. Sorry, my voice is kind of gone. I'm Jana. Um, so asking a question as an aspiring A&R, how do you differentiate yourself um, when you're applying to jobs and things like that, um, but when you don't have the same res resources as record labels do? Like if you want to help artists and you're finding new people, but you don't have the same resources that a record label could apply to them, how can you still differentiate yourself as an so, A&R? So are you asking how to be like an independent A&R? Sure. Okay, that I, I don't think it, it, it changes a whole lot. I mean, I think that's almost being a manager, right? Where if you find an artist that you want to develop and that you believe in, and you want to work with, then uh, I, I think the A and R at a label we have the resources, not financially. You know, we have a promotion team, we have a marketing team. We can shoot a video, we can do photo shoot, we can do all all the above, but. When you're kind of, when you're indie, it's really becomes okay. How can you, how can you do this on a shoestring budget, right? And and those are the best artists, you know, that that can do it on nothing, that have no money. And it, I mean, I'm blown away by how many artists figure figure that part of it out, and they're able to tour without a booking agent. They have somebody that's hustling for them and putting them in clubs, and and they're building a fan base. But it's all that incremental, you know. You have to see the growth. Uh, of that artist, so I wouldn't say that you're. I mean, you're not handicapped by not having a major. I just think you you're even more of an entrepreneur if you can do it without the major. So uh, 
Do you think uh, labels are looking more for people that are bringing something new to the table that like you wouldn't typically hear, or they're looking to sign someone who they know can make hits and make stuff that's commercially popular? Like, would you say it's more important as an artist to try to innovate or try to like make something more mainstream appealing if you want to appeal to labels? Yeah, as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, Nashville's a little bit different because if you listen to country radio, it's it's a lot of the same stuff. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty cookie cutter you know, assembly line stuff. But uh, that's where differentiating yourself as a as a pop or R and B urban artist uh, is important. I think. I mean, look, there's, you know, I mean, if you can do it like everybody else, that's cool. You can probably have a little bit of success, but how do you become authentic and organically you, right? And um, I think labels will discover that and fans discover that. I mean, when you do something different, then, you know, people are gonna come and and your streaming number, that's what, I hate it. And I hate the fact that that guy said he listens with his eyes and not his ears because that's, that's terrible. I mean, cause you know, I want to hear great music. I want to hear new music. I want to hear fresh music, but you put it out there. And if, if everybody, if a lot of people like it, you only need a little bit of people to like it really. If everybody's that, that that's on Spotify, you know, you get 1% of those people. That's a pretty big audience. So I have two questions. Um, one, how is the, how's the rock scene in Nashville? And then the second question would be maybe if you could give a characteristic trait of each of the artists you work with that maybe defines them as as great or maybe that separates them from anybody else who couldn't quite make the cut rock scene in nashville is actually coming on it's starting to come on it's uh there's a couple of cool bands there's a band called uh, bishop gun uh out of natchez mississippi that uh they're making some noise i think they opened up for the rolling stones um but it's a, it's a pretty cool scene there um it's still such a small format, and, and unfortunately, because I would love for it to be like it was in the 80s, but it's just, are you a rocker? Yeah. Rock band? What's your name of your band? Zeta. Zeta? Cool. Uh, yeah, but it's coming. I mean, with that, what's that, uh, what's that band that sounds like Led Zeppelin? Yeah, Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, they're coming on. Yeah, they're huge. Uh, anyway, um, what, do, what was the second question? What differentiates? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a gut thing for me. Uh, you know, one of the guys that I have is is from another guy from Kentucky who is, I mean, really really country with this crazy cool voice. He wears a cowboy hat. I mean, but he doesn't sound like Luke Bryan. You know, he's he's um, he's actually trying to keep him out of the middle. You know, my whole thing was like I I hate the middle. In the middle is where people get lost. And I know it's an easy way to make money, but it's where people get lost. So I like a little bit out of the middle. Um, and then, like I said before, you know, I mean, I work with, I don't know if anybody here, uh, you know, Chris Stapleton, familiar? So I've known Stapleton since 2000 for 20 years. And I, I connected him and Timberlake, and we did that thing on the CMA Awards, and I told Justin, he called me, and he said, man, why isn't Chris a superstar? And I said, because he doesn't check the boxes. You know, he doesn't, he's not a pretty boy. He's not, he doesn't have mainstream hits. He's, he, I said, it's gonna take a TV moment for a guy like this. 
And there we had the TV moment, and it blew them up, you know. So it's, those are the things. I mean, you can't plan that, you know. You can't plan it at all. But when I assign people, I definitely want them to have a uniqueness about them that, uh, that is going to, it, it may be hard, but that's fine. I'd rather have hard than, and, and I'd rather have a song go to number 20 on the charts and sell, you know, and have 100 million streams and go number one and have 10 million streams. Hey, uh, I'm DJ. Um, thank you again for coming out here. Um, so I have a little bit of a weird kind of offhanded question. So I've got a little bit of a wager going on with a guy uh, named Scott Rogers. Um, so by 2025, one of my ideal goals is to be able to perform in Dollywood. Um, and so like him and I have been going back and forth and I was like, yo, like I promise you just through like genuine interactions and just meeting random people that I will somehow find breadcrumbs to get the Dolly part and then to be able to perform there. So my question is for you, uh, being from Nashville, do you have any connections, whether it be anybody that she's associated with, et cetera, et cetera? Done. Let's, get, let's do it. You're going to win. We're yeah. going gonna to win I, that I, bet. I got to, look, I got to beat Scott. <laughs> like, there's there's no way. I can't lose this. I, I mean, can't. it's not over for, like, a pizza, is it? What is, what's the wager? Can you tell us? Uh, the wager is actually, like, $600. But the thing is, Scott and I both know I don't have $600 to give out. <laughs> he most definitely does. He you can, said by 2025? By 2025. What's your... Your, what do you do? You uh, um, so I'm an artist, producer, and engineer. My genre is primarily hip hop, but um, I was a classical violin player for a long time. So like, I have a very eclectic uh, sense of music, and I'm from South Carolina. So like, the writers' round is something that I've been like a part of for a very long time. So like, let's put out a hip hop single with a fiddle or a violin player, right? And that would be dope. All we gotta do is do you know a few thousand streams, and you'll and you'll have the six hundred bucks, and, and by then you're gonna be a dollar world. And you'll be in <laughs> but yeah, that that is the goal is to get the Dollywood and see see my baby Dolly. That is funny. That is awesome. We can make that happen. Cool. We'll have to get your info though. We'll have to. That work. <laughs> Hi. So um, I just wanted to ask, how do you go about pushing people? Not pushing. That sounds wrong. But like incentivizing artists to um, go ahead and like record music when you know like they have it, and just like really putting it out there, if that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> How do I convince them to push music or to put music out? Yeah, so like from a very independent level, like if you see that someone has the talent, how do you go about really like giving them, not giving them, well, yeah, like giving them that confidence and incentive to go ahead and record some music and like do some live shows, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I it, I don't think it's that hard. If, if they're talking to me, then they want it. You know, they're 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 ready to go. Um, it's just, it's a matter of if. And a lot of people just don't know how to do it. You know, the 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 general like, how do you push music out? How do you get a distri you know, distribu distributor distribu distribution company? Uh, somebody said that they're doing DistroKid. I think. Um, you know, I've. I used TuneCore when before I when I put when I put something out uh, before I take it to the label I use TuneCore just because it's easier to to move around uh, and it's really easy to navigate. Uh, but I just you know, it's really not hard. I mean, you just gotta, it, but the other key is like doing producer agreements. You know, I don't know if you, a lot of you guys are familiar with that, but if you're making music or whoever's making music and has a producer, 
you got you got to make sure you can pay the producer, you got to pay the writers, you got to you know there's there's some legalities to it that a lot of, I mean I'm sure there's more that are on the streaming services that aren't probably buttoned up than there are, but it's important. Make sure you do have that buttoned up. Well, we'll wrap it up. Joe Fisher, I really appreciate you coming down to Loyola and hanging out with us, man. It was fun. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.